the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We have, I hope you had a great weekend, everybody, and we will have a great show again today. We've got a a friend of ours. We're checking in on some legal uh, wrangling, what's happening, uh, the Landmark Legal Foundation, and we'll see what the word is out there on some key stuff that is happening. And also, uh, we will have an opportunity to visit with our friend Todd Benzman, although Todd, I may get him tomorrow, actually. He's getting a lot of attention for his reports from the border, so we'll see about that, uh, but we will um, we'll find out from him. We'll talk to him very soon. And uh, also Hal Shirtleff, Hal Shirtleff, who runs the Camp Constitution, he'll be with us. He's got a case that bounced up to the U.S. Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, which is really cool. He's an amazing guy, and we'll talk with him uh, later today. All right, what do you need to know today on this uh, day as a new week starts? What do you need to know here? Well, one thing I want to tell you, draw your attention to, is over the weekend, President Trump had a rally in Iowa, and that would be noteworthy enough, except... Uh, At the same time, there were a series of polls that came out that show that the bottom has literally fallen out. I mean, literally fallen out of the polling uh, of for Joe Biden. So it went from like, I don't know, 51 percent approval rating to 38 percent, something like that, something dramatic in the last maybe six or eight weeks. Now, as I've told you before. I, I don't know if we'll ever have two-term presidents. Now, a, a presidential re-election is always about who you're facing, so I shouldn't really say this. But my point here is that the scrutiny of the new presidents, of the presidency in the new era, is just so, um, the Klieg lights are so bright, anyone is going to look bad. In the case of Donald Trump, the, the lights were so bright because the media was obsessed with him. And we'll talk about that in a moment. With Biden, the lights are so bright just because they have to look at something. And when they look at something, they find out the guy's a mess. I mean, it's just a mess. So Biden's numbers have fallen. The border is a disaster, absolute disaster. The border to this country, the southern border, is it's insane what's happening. We're talking to tens of thousands of people every day coming in illegally, unvetted, unknown. You know, when Donald Trump went down the escalator in Trump Tower uh, in July of 2015 and he said Mexico is sending, you know, not their best, including rapists and others, what he put a, put an exclamation on was, we don't know. Certainly some bad people are coming, people that are smuggling in drugs, or drug, uh, excuse me, or trafficking uh, young women. All those people are acting. We know that. There may be some good people coming too, I guess, uh, in the sense that there's people that just want to get away from their homeland. But the point is, we don't know. And we're being overrun at this point. It's really dramatic. And, you know, the Afghanis that are coming that aren't vetted, that's another problem. The refugees that are coming that aren't vetted, there's lots of problems happening. And and the border is the sort of emblem. But everything else, everything else is the bottom's going out on. The jobs numbers look bad. The COVID numbers look bad. Inflation is going up. Uh, you know, the, the COVID... Um, Attempts is at mandating COVID by certain uh, private employers, which is not illegal. I want to say that it's not illegal, but also it's not illegal for those private employers to be faced with 
uh, like is happening to Southwest Airlines, hundreds of employees, thousands, really, looks like 1,800 employees. I don't know. I mean, I'm, excuse me. I'm, 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 I think I might be mixing up the number of flights that are being canceled. Because why? Because employees are saying, well, if they're going to have a mandate that I be vaccinated by November 1st, I might need to get all my vacation days in and my personal days in and all that. That's also legal. It's nothing illegal about that so far. But anyway, all this is happening. So what happens over the weekend? The news shifts. It's all about Trump. It's all about Trump. Everything about Trump. It's about Trump this, Trump that, Trump the other thing. It's about what happened in Trump's administration. It's about Trump's employees. It's about Trump to January 6th. Who was involved in January 6th? What did it mean on January 6th? The obsession with Trump. Two reasons. One, people actually care. Nobody really cares about Biden. I mean, they'll they'll yell, uh, <laughs> they'll, yell, yell they'll chant, let's go Biden. I was at a football game in Virginia, a uh, college football game on Saturday. Uh, James Madison University played Villanova, and the let's go Brandon chant started uh, in the crowd. So there'll be some of that be regarding Joe Biden, but mostly people, the press likes covering uh, Trump because he's exciting. People people get, you know, his, his Iowa rally on Saturday night was exciting. So you're seeing now a shift. The second reason is they want to try to make it so he can't run again. He can't win. But they don't know how to do this. It's, it's almost like when he was running in 2015 and 2016. They, they, lied, they lie about him. They make him into something like a carnival barker. And they think that's going to hurt him. And all it's doing is reinforcing that he's alive and energetic compared to Biden. And so Biden can't get out of his own way because it's actually hard to govern and there's tough decisions to make. And it turns out that Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema in the Senate and then moderates and, and liberals in the uh, House are holding up this idea of spending gazillions of dollars. It's just not easy. And then meanwhile, over here, here's here's Trump. And you know what's going to be you know what is going to be a story someday when the historians write and say the fact that they took Trump off Twitter and Facebook actually helped him get some distance from the people who were tired of his antics. They were, they were tired of too much Trump. And so by giving him some space, by taking him off Facebook and Twitter, they actually created some space so that he could get, you know, get, um, get out of people's memory some of the intensity of what they didn't like, and they're contrasting with what he is. Uh, he is like, oh, another thing they're doing is they're doing all kinds of stories. One of the press aides to Melania Trump has written a tell-all book, and it reads like you know, it reads like tabloid stuff. But they love it. They're loving covering it. They're going crazy covering it, and because it's Trump, Trump, Trump all the time, and he's coming back. That's what they see and feel, and they're trying to both ride the wave as well as trying to. Uh, uh, to try to beat him down. I, I, I tell you, right now, you're seeing the tell. When Maureen Dowd had a piece in the New York Times over the weekend, you know, she's famously sort of anti-Trump and liberal, and her piece was complaining about the fact that the Democrats need to get control because it's a mess. You know, uh, Kamala Harris did a, a, a did a visit uh, by some students at the uh, at the observatory. The Naval Observatory is where the vice president lives. And so uh, they had, she had some students visit. And it's so wooden. It's so wooden. It's terrible. It's just so wooden. It's embarrassing. I mean, just amazing how bad it was. And so that's what the Democrats are feeling. That's what they're seeing. And so the 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 uh, the number one thing um, that you uh, that you uh, need to know about this is that it is changing every day how uh, people in this country are viewing what's happening. Now, what do I mean by that? It's actually changing how people 
are uh, are are perceiving what's going on. And I actually think if the if the election was today, there would be a um, massive, massive, huge uh, victory for Donald Trump, it, it, presidential. And it's a long way off. But that's how it's shifting. People just believe one guy is energetic and on on their side, and the other guy is, and the other party isn't. And amazingly, it may have been the greatest thing that ever happened to Donald Trump to have the election be go the way it went, because he's going to come back into power if he if he runs for office and wins with a mandate. He's going to have majorities, big majorities. So let's pause. And let me say the two issues, I'm going to tell you what you need to know, the two issues that are the num- the top issues at this moment in American life, that if the Republicans want to win everything, they will focus on these two issues. The first one is election integrity and making it so the election is auditable, so that you can do an audit of the election and you can know exactly what happened in the election. You can prove that it was okay, that it was legit, and you can go forward. If the Republicans get themselves wrapped around the idea that they are going to get a, a, um, a very specific initiative to audit the elections, they'll win everything, win everything. And the second thing is the immigration and the border. If Republicans focus on immigration and the border and what it's doing to the country and how unfair it is, not only will they win working class folks who are offended by it, they'll win suburban moms who are worried about crime, and they'll win minorities in bigger numbers than ever before because those those groups know it's not fair, it's not right, it shouldn't be happening. Those are the two issues. What you need to know right now, like a laser beam, those should be the num- the top two issues that anybody, any Republican who's running for office should be talking about. And the, by the way, third, fourth, and fifth are jobs, education, and the crazy, crazy critical race theory. I'm not saying those issues aren't important. National security, you know, the, the military, those are all important. But the top two issues to actually win, because you've got to do the election integrity so that you can win, so you can actually have free and fair elections. And then you've got to do the uh, the immigration because that's where people that's what people care about. That's why Trump won the first time. That's what you need to know. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. We got some great guests. Guests, excuse me. I'm glad to be back. Go to proamericareport.com. Sign up there for the daily emails. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, You know, I reached out the Landmark Legal Foundation. Some of you remember we've had different guests on speaking about their work they're doing. It's a great, great uh, outfit that does good things. Founded in 1976. I didn't know that uh, that far back and uh, does the good fight on things. It's a national public interest law firm. I'll get it exactly right. I looked it up to make sure I said it right. And uh, on the conservative side of things, but they would say, look, we just try to get the originalist approach to the Constitution. The words have meaning. And their meaning is what was at the founding, not a growing uh, a document that grows and and uh, becomes all sorts of insanity. And so we have uh, with you Matthew, with us Matthew Forries. Forries rhymes with stories. He told me to get this right. And he is uh, the chief of staff at the Landmark Legal Foundation. And uh, we we'll want to talk about some uh, threats to parents in a moment. So, Matthew, thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. And let me say LandmarkLegal.org, LandmarkLegal.org to go there and find out more about uh, what they do and also to support their important work. So, all right, this last week, Landmark Legal Foundation uh, had, a, had a statement because last week we saw a letter from uh, the Department of Justice, I guess it was about a week ago, where um, 
Uh, Merrick Garland said basically the FBI's got to get take a look at school board meetings where parents go because they can get really hostile. It could be a big problem. Now I, I, we we followed the the coverage now of of the National School Board Association requested that and all this kind of stuff. What I want to ask you is. Um, does this? What is the legal effect of the attorney general saying that? Besides getting a, a massive amount of press, and you know, in my experience, half the battle is that press they get. They get parents, school board, violence, terrorism, all in one grouping. And by the time you explain, that's not right. They've already had millions of dollars worth of earned media. But what is it that a letter from the attorney general does? How does that work? Uh, let fill us in on that. Okay, so. Uh, what's at issue was there was a memorandum, and it wasn't just a journal letter out to the public. Uh, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, directed the FBI and the Executive Office for U.S. Attorneys in the United States, the Criminal Division of the Department of Justice, to do a couple things. He first off directed the FBI and the U.S. Attorneys to meet in the next 30 days with federal, state, local law enforcement to discuss strategies to address what they call the trend of these threats and intimidation. But uh, one of the other things they did, which was pretty remarkable, is they said they would expect to create a task force, including the DOJ's criminal, national security, civil rights divisions, along with you know U.S. attorneys and so forth, to look into this issue and see if they couldn't prosecute, if there was any support they could give to local law enforcement. So there are a couple things that are very troubling about this. Uh, first off, there's just the chilling of speech aspect, right? This could just be kind of a cynical way to get get a message out to people. Hey, we're watching you. Don't be too disruptive at these school board meetings, right? And then the second right. possibility that they actually take this seriously. And, and in some ways, that could even be worse. Because imagine that the Attorney General of the United States is asking for resources from the National Security Division of the DOJ to start looking into school boards in Des Moines, Iowa, and, you know, taking FBI agents off the Afghanistan desk. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Talk about yeah, yeah. a total hitting, you know, killing a butterfly with a sledgehammer. Totally out of proportion for what the threat is. And, now, and, and now, and, and yeah, keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead, finish, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what I want to say is in the original letter from the National School Boards Association, you know, they go at, at great lengths to request, like, just an incredible amount of federal law enforcement to support them. And the, the instance they cite as having created this threat for a bunch of very low-level crimes. You know, it's, it's things like um, um, people showing up and making threats. There are... People are coming in. One person was arrested on aggravated battery, but I saw among your examples nationwide. Okay, so this is mm-hmm. nothing like something calling for a national federal law enforcement response. It's just, it's entirely out of proportion. But the thing for me that's just incredible about this entire situation is I find it is just an example of how our national institutions and elites have been failing the American people for a long time. The response to the COVID crisis, I think, opened up the eyes of millions of people, especially parents, when we saw what happened in response to COVID. Lockdowns, school shutdowns, putting masks on young people, isolation, all this stuff robbed American school children of their childhood. And we're only starting to see what's long-term damage of this. It's delayed development, 
social anxiety, obesity, depression, right? And on top of that, you have radicals in our school systems are trying to convince kids that the country isn't fundamentally good. Instead, it's fundamentally racist, right? And so you imagine if you're a young person, you're a young kid, you've been coming out of them like staying at home and watching classes on Zoom, and now you're being taught that it's uh, you live in an evil country. What, what's more terrifying than that? What's going to give children more anxiety about their lives? So parents around America have reached the boiling points. These are moms are showing up and they've handed over their kids to school boards and administrators who've been acting incompetently, right? And what's the Biden administration mm-hmm. response? They're, they're focusing on these upset moms showing up at school board meetings. It's like focusing on a battered wife's reaction to years of physical abuse instead of focusing on like the vicious husband who prompted everything, you know? So have we have we seen uh, have we seen uh, Well, before I forget to ask this question, if somebody's upset when they see this and they say, I I, I know I've been to school boards, I'm getting emails from now, the school teachers union, they're worried that they're being uh, sort of a target. Can they contact through you guys? Is that is it go to landmarklegal.org and contact through you? Is that something you'd recommend? Right now, I don't think that's the best way to go. We normally file things at the federal level, and I think this is okay. such a decentralized problem. I'm not going to start with that. I think we're going to try to okay. give resources to help people figure out, like, filing a FOIA request, a public records request, to see what's, what's prompting these school boards to, like, uh, take some of their extreme measures. And in some counties, like there's a county in Virginia, there's one school board member who was interested in boxing some of the some of her parent opponents, right? So there's some very crazy stuff. There's so many different things going on around the country. And and keep in mind, this isn't just COVID. It's not critical race theory. There are things like explicit material not appropriate for children in the library. There's the transgender right. policies in bathrooms, school school violence. Right. Right? There are a lot of things going on. Okay. And so yeah. if you're upset about it, the school board association wants to have you treated like you're, you know, that you're a destruction. Okay. And what's, what's a problem with that, I think, is that we're turning our government upside down. Like school boards are supposed to be the most responsive part of government in harmony with the constituents because it's at the lowest level. Mm-hmm. But they're right. acting as if they know better than what, what parents should do, even with their own children. So I think I really want this to be a call to conservatives around the country. We have to wake up to what's happening. It's like our institutions, some of them have just been filled right with people who are not looking out for your best interest. We need to go out and we need to run for school boards. We need to have recalls. We need to be organized. But I have a few thoughts. When you show up at these meetings, you have yeah, to please. be respectful. And you have to be respectful right. and don't make your conduct give them an excuse to marginalize you. Make sure you're keeping right. about the message. Make sure you bring someone along to tape what you're doing so you're not beholden to someone else's version of events, right? Like people go into these things thinking I'm a righteous parent and, you know, they're going to listen to me. But there's going to be people trying to deliberately misinterpret what you're saying so they can put you in a box. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, these are just the crazies over here. And, you know, they're being disruptive. So they're committing crimes. We need to get them. Yeah, we need to put them in jail when you get law enforcement involved. And that's totally appropriate. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to be clear also, because, as I said, people are trying to misinterpret everything you say if you're on the conservative side of things. I don't support yeah. anyone who's threatening school officials. I don't believe in doxing right. anyone. I don't believe in showing up at their homes. 
I don't believe in showing up with a camera to a bathroom stall in a restroom or, you know, as happened with uh, Senator Cinema last week. And I'm also not in right. favor of burning down police stations and federal buildings. But all of that stuff happened last year. And there was no, as far as I could see, some national criminal task force engaged to address it. Instead, we all had to sit back and watch. So this kind of stuff requires response from conservatives and, and normal parents who are upset about your school board. Uh, we're, again, we're talking with uh, Matthew uh, Fores, and he is uh, at the uh, uh, Landmark Legal Foundation. Let me make sure to say it again. You learn more there. There's a good statement that they have out um, from a few days ago, LandmarkLegal.org, LandmarkLegal.org. Um, you know, uh, in your, uh, Matthew, in your, you started to say it, but this is not going to be resolved at its best by the FBI or any federal uh, agency, because as long as you do what you're saying, you know, be respectful, be smart, record what you're saying. A lot of times do something in writing. You know, if you I, I tell people, if you're going to make a speech, write most of it out or all of it out and say, this is the remarks I'm going to give. If you go off of it, it's not the end of the world. But, you know, that way you're, you're sort of framing what you're doing. But it's really not a federal issue, right? I mean, the, the federal part of this really is just to intimidate people, isn't it? There are a couple of very technical ways that they can get federal jurisdiction. For the most part, I do okay. not think this is a federal issue. But when you're involved in guns mm-hmm. in school, that can become the right. federal statute. That, But that was one of the things that was so shocking about the NSBA letter is that they were bringing in, they were saying, use your authority under federal statutes like the you know, the Patriot Act. You know, um, <laughs> hate crimes right. were discussion. Right. Like they're, they're throwing right. out all stops to have it all, you know, well, I mean, if, if you were sending a threatening letter in the mail, right, then that can become uh, a federal, federal jurisdictional. Yeah, right, 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 right. There's ways, there's ways they can always pull the string. If you carry a gun into a school zone, you're, you got a problem. If you say something threatening over the phone, leave a voicemail, you can get on the phone. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of, uh, and we could discuss another time. But if you are smart and serious, most of what you're objecting to, a bad vote, even election, you know, I'm going to run against you because I don't agree with you. That's hard to get there as long as you're not going. Uh, but again, my point is, um, it, it reminds me of the, the descriptions of the Soviet Union, uh, you know, I, I often quote my listeners will smile as I say again that Volokh Havel wrote a, a, an essay called The Power of the Powerless, and he basically said, you don't have to have the government shut everybody down. You just have to have them get us all invested in self-censorship. They, they've done enough to intimidate everyone. They say, this is the best way to be. I'll just I'll put a sign up that says uh, Workers of the World Unite in my grocery store so that I just don't get hassled. And, and you'll go there and see that sign and be happy because you know that signals that you're OK. Right. It sort of becomes this culture. That's to me what that was that letter was like a it was it was not even direct intimidation it was just a guidepost to try to push us into a place where we're less effective at changing what we need to be changing but i gotta run unfortunately again matthew forey's uh, chief of staff at the landmark legal foundation landmark legal foundation does important work check them out landmarklegal.org uh thank you matthew for taking the time to be with us thanks so much for having me all right. We'll uh, keep us keep you updated on these stories as we go forward. And again, that's a great resource for everybody to check out. LandmarkLegal.org. Uh, they have a lot of stuff they do. It's a really cool group. Uh, Pete Hutchison's over there. He's somebody I've known for years and years and years from my time in Missouri. All right, everybody. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs>
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a while since we had my old friend Hal Shirtleff on the program. Excuse me. He's the director of Camp Constitution. We've talked about it before. Extraordinary effort. He'll have to remind me how many years he's been doing it. But he's in the news now because he can't resist fighting the good fight. And he has a case that is going to the U.S. Supreme Court. They just announced it a few days ago. Uh, and we'll let him walk us through that. First of all, how, how are you? Welcome back to the program. Oh, I'm doing very well and enjoying my uh, new home in beautiful Alton, New Hampshire, on Lake Winnipesaukee. There you go. Well, Hal, give our listeners a thumbnail on Camp Constitution, especially how long you've been doing that. Well, we uh, we were formed in 2009. We are we're a New Hampshire-based charitable trust. Uh, we run a week-long family camp, and as time went on, there were other things that we started to do. Um, we started a printing, uh, a publishing arm, a radio show. No, we're not competing with you, thankfully. Um, <laughs> uh, then our speakers bureau, and then in 2017, I became uh, the uh, full-time uh, director of Camp Constitution. I'm the only full-time person. And we have ladies' retreats, and we're going to be starting up weekend retreats uh, for for men and, and for teenagers, et cetera. So we have a lot of ambitious things uh, we just reprinted the 1928 U.S. Army Manual. You might be familiar with that. Uh, yep. It described our country as a republic and that democracy was communistic, leading to uh, collectivism or something like that. And these books were all destroyed. A lot of them were destroyed uh, during the Roosevelt administration. So we put that back in print, and we have it available on our, uh, uh, on our website, bookstore. Yeah, we're talking again. We're talking with uh, Hal Shirtleft, the director of Camp Constitution. All right, Hal, tell us about this case. Just to, to set this up, just about a week ago, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear a ca- the case. It's involving the city of Boston a, and their refusal to fly a Christian organization's flag in front of City Hall. Walk us through what happened here, what the challenge right. was, and uh, how you ended up in the Supreme Court. Well, the city of Boston has what I call a public access flagpole where they allow private groups, organizations, civic organizations, and others to raise uh, their flag to their ceremony. So the city itself does not, city officials do not raise the flag. They just issue a permit. And the permit basically is to say, okay, there's not any other, there's nothing else going on the time you want to use it. And we'll make sure we'll have somebody there to give you the device to rate because it's a big old flagpole. You have to have like a um, kind of crank mm-hmm. or a key, whatever. And um, right. so... Back in 17, uh, in July, I applied to have a permit to do it around the time of Constitution Day, September 17th, uh, to honor the Constitution and also the city of Boston. It was founded around that same time, well, 1630, but around mid-September. And we were going to have uh, one our camp chaplain, Reverend Stephen Kraft, discuss the need for racial reconciliation amongst you know, Christians to be more involved with that. We had a uh, another instructor from the South Sudan, formerly from the South Sudan, who was going to talk about the blessings of liberty as a U.S. citizen, and a historian, local historian, Richard Howell, who was going to talk about Boston's rich Christian history, from John Winthrop's famous sermon on the Arbella, a city set on a hill, to Pope John Paul II's visit, etc. And the permit was denied based on, initially it was the separation of church and state, and it took them about a month or so to uh, give me the official no, and I asked for a, an official message, either an email or a letter, 
And ironically, the city of Boston, uh, they embed the city seal in every email, and the city seal, like the city's flag, has a Bible <laughs> verse from First Kings. But that's... <laughs> uh, that's amazing. So I, yeah, so I sent on a news... And the lady that was involved that, would be, that I was communications with, she was sympathetic. Uh, she happened to be right. the late uh, mayor's uh, daughter-in-law, Mayor Menino's daughter-in-law, and she was sympathetic. She said, I know this isn't over. So I did an email blast. I sent out a, uh, emails to local media. Not one of them touched it. But a friend suggested I get a hold of Liberty Council, and I did that very evening. Right. Uh, and I uh, went on their website. And the next day I get a call from um, Richard Mast, who was a man in charge of uh, taking whatever cases in take. And they said, we, love the, we like the case. We're going to take it. So they hmm. sent out they sent a demand letter back in September of 17. And that's when we started making you know, media attention from a demand letter. And then we filed a lawsuit the following July. Uh, first circuit, it went to the First Circuit Court, Federal Court of Appeals in Boston, and right. they turned us down 3-0. And then uh, just this, uh, I guess it was in June is when they filed the suit with the Supreme Court. And I don't know how many cases they take over a course of a year, but it's different. They don't take many. They usually let the lower, and that's the way it should be. You know, the old expression, don't make a federal case out of it, right? Uh, but this, right, in right. our opinion, is a clear, clear violation of the First Amendment, as well as the state's uh, amendments, uh, because they allow lots of groups to fly flags. They never had any condition. It never said anything about no, non, no religious flags are allowed. Uh, and they allow, they actually allow the, and not only do they allow, but they actually participate in the flag raising of communist China and communist Cuba. In fact, wow. it was ironic really? that, yeah, Thursday, last Thursday, they flew the flag, the Chinese communists, there's a group called the Chinese Progressive Association of Boston, and they flew their right. flag at 7.30 a.m., although the flag got stuck, it was at a <laughs> poetic justice. <laughs> Someone said it was made in China, so it got stuck halfway, so they could never do this. But the last 10 or so years, these Chinese communists have been raising their flag to celebrate the communist takeover of China. Uh, you know, millions of people have killed the city, and I grew up born and raised in that city uh, and just moved out recently. But the city officials will participate. Ayanna Presley, the member of the squad, when she was a city councilor, was a big supporter of the Chinese communists, and no surprise there. And mm -hmm. so uh, that seems to be okay. And now they're using the term uh, approved government speech. So what they're saying, in essence, is we approve of the Chinese communist speech, the flag, and right. the Cuban flag. But no, that little flag, that, and the Christian flag, is um, it's a white background, a blue chevron, top left corner, and then the red, uh, it's called the Latin cross. There's not a Bible verse right. on it. And it's really a uh, not. It's mostly flown in, in Protestant churches, but it's non-denominational, and it's not copywritten. And they actually told us I if see. we if we called it the Constitution Camp Constitution flag, they would have let us fly it. But we said, "Well, no, this is a Christian flag. It's not our flag." Huh. You know? so. Wow. Wow. Uh, hey, uh, Hal, let me tell you something. It's uh, I was I checked while we're talking. The Supreme Court gets between 7,000 and 8,000 uh, petitions for review, certiori they call it, and they take 80 cases. 
So that's really winning the lottery on this one. They decided, so, you know, they took, they got 8,000 cases. Someone said, look at me, I got a problem. I want to make it a federal case. And they take 80. So you guys really thread the needle, although it seems to be an important and sort of, in a way, I hate to say this too, I mean, I don't mean to be too glib, pretty obvious. Like, you got to solve this one for people to know. Again, let me just make sure to say how uh, the website for the campconstitution.net is the website, campconstitution.net, to learn more about Hal Shirtliff and the Camp Constitution. And I'm looking now at the... uh, a couple days ago, no, yesterday or two days ago, the Camp Constitution Press reprinting, as you mentioned, the 1928 uh, U.S. Army manual. Manual. Okay, so back to for a second to this. As this started to get press, how did you find yes. that you got? Well, but did you well, find that you got positive recoverage, or did people email and go to your website and say, "Great job"? Did you get the crazies that come in and say, "Oh my gosh, you're such a you know, you're this isn't America"? What was the response? Well, I got. Um First off, it's made a lot of uh, made a lot of the online and some of the print media, especially the local Boston Herald, Boston Globe. Uh, it's sort of a mixed bag. We get a lot of th- lot of support, but we do. Actually, I got a nasty phone call from someone from California. I can't believe this triggered people in California. I thought they were all conservatives out there, and I didn't take <laughs> the call. I, I did. I just uh, I, I got the message, and it was just laden with profanities and I hate Christians and this. Oh. I hate this. I hate that. And then there was this triggered uh, lady that she lives, I think she lives two towns away from me, uh, but she comes from Boston. And they're trying to say that, you know, we're, we hate this group and we hate that group. And it's got nothing. We did, this was nothing. We, we, we weren't trying to make a case out of it. We simply wanted to have a ceremony in Boston to honor the Constitution and the city's history. That really, we had no intention of filing it. I mean, there was never our, oh, let's be denied so we can get a federal case out. That was never the purpose. Right. And, but there's some left-wing uh, sources out there. There's a, uh, of course, the uh, Freedom from Religion Foundation. They passed yeah, that. Yeah, sure. They came out. This is a serious threat. Like the whole, that this is going to set such a horrible precedent around the country. Christians are going to take over. It's going to be a third right. It, it's it's so crazy. So if you go to Freedom from yeah. Religion Foundation, and there's another one called Joey My God, which is probably the worst one. He's some kind of uh, blogger atheist. And uh, he's just, uh, and they're saying that, uh, call us a hate group. And it's interesting. And we're getting some of that. If we have an event somewhere, you know, we'll get, people will call the event and say that we're this or that, we're a racist. And we were speaking at a library in, New, in Maine uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, they were, we got that problem. And I, we didn't cancel the presentation. And I pointed out, you know, I, I showed pictures of our various uh, instructors, attendees, supporters, I said, we've got more blacks and Hispanics and Asian people at our camp than you have in the town of Appleton, Maine. I got a big kick, a big laugh out of that. Yeah. Right, right. So, um, hey, Hal, I, I'm looking at the yeah. case. Is the, ca- is the case is the case caption uh, Shirtleff v. Rooney? Is that the case? Or is it Camp well, Constitution Rooney v. Rooney? Gentleman, yeah, uh, George Rooney, he was the person that officially denied us. So it's really Shirtleff versus the... It should be Camp Constitution, but they're calling it Shirtland versus the city of Boston. But Rooney was oh. the guy, that, and I think he probably spoke to the mayor. You know, that's why I think happened that Walsh, at the time, <clears throat> Mayor Walsh is now 
working for the Biden administration, the Department of by, Labor. By the way, by the so, by the and by the way, Hal, when I look at the coverage of this, I looked at the political article, a political article, and they they say, uh, so take the case over locals official refused to fly a Christian group's pennant outside City Hall. Then I look at your own website, Camp Constitution mission statement to enhance an understanding of our Judeo Christian moral heritage. I, I mean, again, I guess I guess you wouldn't deny that you uh, an adjective on your group if you said, "What's your group?" Well, we're a Christian group, but you're not a overtly Christian group. You're a constitu- about the Constitution, and yet well, they describe like, it so... Uh, yeah, we tell people we're Christ-centered. Uh, we have people right. from Catholics and Protestants, and even some who may not be, uh, that participate. Right. Uh, but we're not church-based. We're not a church-based yeah. group. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's really interesting. How keep us informed. When did they set the argument date yet? Not yet, probably, uh, right? They, they took they the case... Sometime in the, they said in the spring... And then they, they, okay. they're anticipating a decision by July, and they're pretty optimistic that we will be successful. And uh, I guess before they take a case, four justices have to sign off on it. And yeah. that doesn't yep, mean that exactly. they all would vote in favor of you know, right. our side. That's right. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. In order, in order for a case to go up on to the Supreme Court for argument, four out of the nine have to say that's worth our trouble, and then they go, all right, Hal, I'm out of time. i got to run. Uh, Hal, oh, I'm going to make sure so to give much. everybody the website again. Uh, uh, campconstitution.net and you can find out more on their website uh, Hal Shirtliff, thanks for being on with us Thank you, God bless oh, Alright, God bless you, we'll take a break everybody, we'll be right back, Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, back in a moment This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin Not so long ago, the FDA tweeted out a bizarre statement telling Americans that they're not horses or cows in order to discourage Americans from an early treatment that coincidentally is also used for animals in higher doses. You're not a horse. You're not a cow, the FDA exclaimed in its fake wisdom. The FDA's twisted logic is to disparage early treatment of COVID in any way it can. Meanwhile, it insists on approaches that increase government control through vaccine passports and masks. Yale professor Harvey Risch, a doctor, observed that we've lost at least 500,000 Americans needlessly who could have been early treated with medicines that we know work with at least 85% effectiveness. Two months earlier, an ICU and lung specialist by the name of Dr. Pierre Corey expressed his hope that every household has ivermectin in their cupboard. Despite the warnings of these doctors, HHS continues to hoard more than 60 million doses of hydroxychloroquine donated by pharmaceutical companies last year for use as an early treatment of COVID. The proper response to the FDA's sarcastic tweet about cows and horses is that it's approved ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, by the way, long ago as a safe medication, and it cannot properly interfere with its use now. The FDA has no authority to practice medicine, and physicians have always been authorized to prescribe approved medication for off-label uses, such as treating COVID. If early treatment for COVID were not blocked, then vaccine passports and the masking of schoolchildren could become unnecessary. COVID could then be treated just as other viruses are, without panic or fear. Americans are smarter than the FDA, and they would take hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and other early treatments in safe doses. It's only because hospitals now control most physicians that patients are left to fend for themselves, and they resort to buying ivermectin that's been prepared for animals. More than a year into the COVID pandemic, public health authorities should be promoting early treatment of all kinds to keep people out of the hospital ICUs. 
The symptoms of the virus are familiar now, and everyone, vaccinated or not, should have access to immediate, effective treatments to overcome it. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues, upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Chairman Helen Marie Taylor, Treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis in our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back, everybody. Well, hey, we went way too long here on the Pro-America Report on all those great interviews, but it's not too long because if you listen to them, they're important. And that Hal Shirtleff, I can't wait to see that case go to the Supreme Court. I mean, I don't know how... um that decision will make a big difference in our life. The Boston mayor will have to run the flag for everybody. But it's uh, he's a good patriot, Hal Shirtleff, and he's a great defender of the Constitution. So good for him fighting so hard and that it's come uh, his way. Uh, tomorrow, we will talk with Todd Bensman. If you listened at the Wink today, what you need to know, I talked about the two key issues. Two key issues is have elections that are auditable, able to be audited. And the immigration, build the wall, stop the uh, influx. And tomorrow, Todd Benzman will give us an update from the border. He's with the Center for Immigration Studies. Great guy. As always, uh, thank you to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Joanna for helping book guests, and you for listening. We will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>